Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 335. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host, your Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, man, uh, nothing, just failing at Baldur's Gate 3, you know? Well, I'm uh, succeeding at Starfield. Yeah, nice. <laughs> just trying to ho- hook up with Tentacle Boys, but haven't gotten that far in the game. The game has become a meme, everybody, if you don't know Baldur's Gate. Uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of reels and TikToks and memes about how you can pretty much just have sex with any character you want. Um, but it's a really freaking hard. I, I like turn the I turn the difficulty down to like easy mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it, I was like, maybe it's too easy. And then I turned it back up to like the mid mode and I just get demolished. So I'm like, OK, maybe I should just. uh <laughs> But also, you have to think like a D and D player, and it's hard for me to like distinguish that with with video games. But you can do some crazy stuff in that game. Uh, yeah, I did like barge in on two trolls having sex, and they got pissed, so I had to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> I kept going back like a couple days later, and it's like they're still going at it, and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm just kicking down the door, and then they got really pissed, and I had to fight them. Those yeah. trolls, man, they're notorious. Yeah, yeah it's getting right, down. Man. For several days uh we do have a interview today everybody steve tanner uh gonna talk about um his publishing uh company time bomb comics and quantum issue three coming out so we'll be talking about that some other books yeah, and uh what's British going on with you for once yeah out of birmingham birmingham <laughs> uh all i know about birmingham is from the peaky blinders so uh, I'm sure it's not accurate at all to what it's actually like. Um, yeah. And and uh, so how's Starfield treating you? That's great. Uh, yeah. I've been really enjoying it. It's cool. exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And unlike, so I finished uh, Final Fantasy 16. Oh, thank while God. it's a good game. Yeah. It's just, it's way too long. It's not mm-hmm. not enough an RPG for me. And um, I just really like Bethesda games. So mm-hmm. this is scratching an itch where... There's other stuff I want to play, but every time I turn on the Xbox, it's like it's Starfield time. So nice. it's nice. it's really good. I really, you know, if you're into that style of game, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that. So I had the week off from work. So nice was trying to get some stuff done around here. Got some, even though I'm sure it's not noticeable by my background right now, but <laughs> getting a yeah. lot of stuff done, finding stuff. Uh, found some interesting things. Mm-hmm. stuff i knew i had but it's like oh it's been sitting in a container or something for two years now forgot about it so i got the original art from our uh oh our poster i forgot yeah, that. that's really cool i didn't know yeah. you had the original art yeah yeah that's i got gonna... I, I remember i knew i had it it was just yeah. a matter of where it was that's awesome and mike i found it what'd you find the oh Man blaster. my god the mega man blaster i didn't know you had one of those chris <laughs> Does it light up? Yeah, but uh, I think it needs new batteries. <laughs> you probably used this like the first day you got it, and then it died, and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna put this away." That's awesome. Well, you you hold. So if you look inside, there's like a little. Uh, it's probably hard to see because it's all blue. Yeah. But there's a little like holder for you to put your hand on. Yeah. And there's a trigger. Like that's I don't awesome. Know if you can hear yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I but, can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. That so, is amazing. Yeah. Life size. Found all my Mega Man stuff, and I was like, I have this. I forgot I had this. Nice <laughs> Mega Man blaster. That's awesome. So yeah, I've been having fun with that. I was gonna sit through the entire show with it and like talk with it, but I just realized I have to like 
take notes and stuff while we're yeah. there. Yeah, because your hair will get pretty sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, cool. and then both my parents got COVID this week, so I've been oh, taking man. care of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like rampaging through the through the streets. I was actually at a a trade show all week, so when we go to talk about comics, I will I'll have nothing read. Um, yeah, I've just just had too much going on, but uh, yeah. That's uh, I kind of wish I had a Mega Man blaster right now. I know they made the helmet too. Did they make the helmet to match it? Yeah, they made a helmet. They made a bunch of stuff. I just yeah. found out that uh, G Fuel, because G Fuel has a Mega Man flavor. What? Um, like energy drink? Yeah. <laughs> what does Mega Man taste like? And uh, like a blue, blue raspberry. Yeah, blue raspberry <laughs> like popsicle. Amazing. It's quite delicious. But you can get it in like powder, so you can get like shakers. And there's mm-hmm. a Mega Man shaker out there, which. I need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's so, here's something I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, I was actually traveling for work, and we stopped at like a Barnes and Noble, and a coworker of mine picked up some. He went to the kids' graphic novel section to pick up some books for his kids, and uh, there's a comic out there called Ham Helsing. Ham Helsing. And it's a little pig that fights vampires and like monsters. Yeah, there's three volumes of this hardcover, Chris. Chris is going to Amazon right now. He's going to order this shit because I I found out I'm like, this is genius and I want to go read it now. And volume one is titled Vampire Hunter. Yeah. And the third one is called the third one has a really catchy uh, has a really catchy title. Pam Helsing volume uh, Raising the Stakes. Get oh it? Oh my god! Yeah, Chris. I, I'm sorry, everybody. I just, I just ruined Chris's episode because he's gonna be like, look, I, I can't. I kept forgetting to talk to you about it because I went to a local bookstore and they had them, and I was like trying to show everybody. I'm like, this exists, and nobody knows about Ham Helsing. Like, it's so cool, and the art is amazing. I'm, I'm sure you're looking at the art right now. Shout out to Rich Moyer, the creator of Ham Helsing. Mm-hmm. Who will we, most likely be getting an email from me tonight? Yes, I that, we gotta get we gotta get him on the show and talk Ham Helsing because, and I'm I'm actually like, they're hardcovers, Chris, and they're like really nice, and the art is like fantastic. Like I can't get over it how good it is. This is amazing. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, being put in the background. So we sorry can for that. Up later, sorry <laughs> to just like derail the entire podcast, but like Ham Helsing is out there in the world, and more people need to know about it. That's what I've been holding on to for like the last week i forgot to send you a picture of it too because i was like this i saw that and i immediately was like chris if he's not already he needs to be reading this book <laughs> um great i got so excited because my my co-workers like yeah there's like other volumes of this and my my kids have read it and i was like holy shit how did i not I, know i picked up uh some so dc's doing manga with mm-hmm. some japanese kind of like what marvel's been doing yeah and I don't think it got publicized very well because I don't remember reading about it. But mm-hmm. I picked up the first two ones they put out. Um, and to be fair, DC's done this in the past. They did that Justice League one years ago. Yeah. They've done the Bat manga like years and years and years ago. You can't find anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I have all the volumes of now. Nice. I don't know if I told you that. But yeah, they did two new ones. And it's uh, Superman and Batman, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I picked those up. And I've been... I started the Superman one. Yeah. And I'll probably talk more about it next week when I actually finish it. But what's very interesting, Mike, is it's a food manga. Oh, 
So it's Benjamin. literally just Superman like doing Eating. Superman stuff, and then he's like, "I'm hungry. Let's go get food." And he <laughs> goes and he talks about food for the rest of the thing. That's actually hilarious. It's actually like really fun. So, but I only read like the first three stories in it. So I'll, next That's week cool. when I finish it, I'll, I'll do a full review. I mean, when you think about it, Superman can literally go eat anywhere he wants in the world when he's yeah. Yeah. And like the first uh, story is him being like uh, as Clark Kent and it's his lunch break yeah. at the Daily Planet. And he's like, <laughs> I'll just go to Japan and get some ramen. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's great, man. It writes itself when you think yeah. about it. That's really cool. Yeah. But Ham Helsing, everybody. If you learn anything in this episode, Ham Helsing. Yeah. Uh, he's a cute little pig that fights vampires. Um, I guess we'll just jump into the TV news. Max released their first trailer. You're probably wondering who's Max. Well, it used to be HBO Max. Now it's just Max. Uh, released their first trailer for a new series spinning out of the Harley Quinn animated series titled Kite Man. Hell yeah. Uh, so we're running the trailer right now for those of you who aren't watching. But um, no release date was given. Uh, we know Kite Man is dating uh, Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinn show. Do you think every time they say Kite Man, hell yeah, like Tom King gets a check in the mail? <laughs> Was that a thing from his run? Oh yeah, that was uh that that was from his Batman run, and Kite Man is always just like hell yeah, <laughs> like that's that, hilarious. That came from Tom King, so um yeah, we're gonna see some crazy villains, some crazy disgusting uh um I don't even know who some of these villains are, but uh and it looks like Harley Quinn shows up. Dark Side is there. Uh, he's gonna go to war with Dark Side, I guess. But uh yeah, Kite Man's a joke. If anybody didn't know that, and uh, it's gonna be a fun show. It's, yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. I like it, but uh, what? I wish they would like dive deeper into just like the shitty villain part of it. Yeah, like, it's gonna be funny him fighting Dark Side and everything. And I'm gonna watch the hell out of this. Like oh, I yeah. haven't watched much of Harley Quinn. It's it's good, but never right. really caught me. Uh, but. This, I kind of wish, like, I mean, just to use our standard example, like, if just he was fighting Codpiece or something, like, mm -hmm. name shitty villain here, right? And that was a thing, I think that'd be better. But maybe that's season two, maybe they're just trying to get off the ground. But I do think it looks funny. Um, starting off the trailer, letting us know exactly what the theme of this show is with a masturbation yeah. joke, like, oh, yeah, 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 that was great coming yeah. right out of the right out of the gates. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. And I think the best episode of the Harley Quinn show is I think it's season two or three where it's all about Bruce Wayne. I think that episode is fucking hilarious. If you've never if you haven't seen that episode, you need to just go. I think it's titled I think it's titled Bruce Wayne. So you need to go watch it. It's absolutely hilarious. Like twist and puns about Batman. Yeah, I keep meaning to put it on my list, my to do list. But yeah, I mean too much stuff. i still need to finish doom patrol i mean there's so much out there i still gotta finish one piece a couple episodes till i finish it and uh yeah. dude <laughs> so I, I said at the beginning of the show like my parents have had covid and everything yeah. and uh, i've been going and helping them out and doing a bunch of stuff for them and uh i walked in on my dad in the living room watching the one piece live action nice <laughs> my 71 year old father i love it that means netflix has won did they what did he say was he liking it he said it was goofy and kind of stupid he wasn't sure if he's gonna keep watching it watches he, eight more episodes 
but he did like he did say like it's it's entertaining at the very yeah, least so. right it's it's entertainment for sure uh which we don't yeah. have enough of funniest um, moment of my week right there yeah i started watching the new indiana jones and i like fell asleep halfway through it so i gotta finish that <laughs> <laughs> it's, i like i nothing really happens for the first hour of that movie and i was like man is this movie almost over and then i looked and i was like oh there's another hour and a half to go yeah it's an indiana jones movie yeah yeah like <laughs> indiana jones movie nothing happens and and everything would have been fine um i just don't really care for the the co-star that uh that like shows up uh the guy's the... daughter yeah, the guy's daughter. Yeah. I liked her, but she 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 becomes better later in the movie when they like ha- get over that you know, they have to yeah. argue and fight. Yeah, like it. I hate that shit. It's like I don't want to see the arguing happening. Yeah, it's like yeah. annoying. That um, was like the yeah. as kind of a side tangent. That was like my main issue with Twisted Metal. I really liked that show, but like they had to spend half the season with the main arguing. two characters arguing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just just have them get along right away, please. <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah. Um, Star Wars Ahsoka episode five. I still haven't been watching that, but I'm sure you could fill us in, Chris. Oh uh, yeah, this is an amazing episode. <laughs> this is another. This is kind of like episode one and two, where this is straight at people like me who have been watching forever. So basically, majority of the episode is the the fleet trying to find Ahsoka. And figure out whether she's alive or not after she got like fell into the water. And then the other part of it, the main part of it, is that she's stuck in this other realm that I, uh, I think I spoiled last week. But if I didn't, yeah. I'm not going to spoil. Yeah, you did. Okay. Um, and she's there with Anakin, and they basically have they don't really explain what Anakin's doing there because in Rebels it was used to pull people out of the timeline and basically retcon them back into existence. Right. And that doesn't seem to be the case here because Anakin has a conversation with her basically saying like, we have to finish your training. Mm -hmm. And then it just like flash flashes them back to the clone wars. Mm. Now I got live action general Skywalker with a young Ahsoka. So they got the, the little girl who played um, Gamora, baby Gamora and Endgame. Oh, wow. Or was it Infinity War? Yeah, one. I think Infinity it was War. one of those two. Yeah. She plays like younger Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And they flash back to them in the Clone Wars and having a conversation and everything. And it was awesome because it was straight up fucking Clone Wars cartoon brought to life. Cool. Um, there's a fly flying around everywhere in this room. Yeah. <laughs> High definition fly. And uh, yeah, and so it's a lot of that. And then they kind of flash forward and it's just a big back and forth between Ahsoka and um, Anakin Mm -hmm. and her kind of having to come to the realization that she needs to fight to stay alive, that she needs to want to stay alive. And then they find her and blah, blah, blah. And then they get the space whales to take them off into the other galaxy. So Ahsoka's big plan to like get to the other galaxy because I can't follow the the map because it got destroyed was like, oh well ask the space whales. <laughs> because sure, and j- just to explain that everybody, like if you didn't watch Rebels, the way Thrawn is defeated in Rebels is Ezra summons a bunch of those space whales and they like 
basically grab a hold of the Star Destroyer they're on and just flash them away. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows what happened. But it's assumed that they died. And now that's kind of the where this series comes in. We're like, oh, no, they might be still alive somewhere. Mm-hmm. So her plan is like, I'll talk to... And it's so funny because they're like flying through all the space whales. And yeah. they're like, there's a big one right there. Let's go talk to that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And so, yeah, so next... Uh, so it ends in the most frustrating way possible is this entire season has done like great cliffhanger endings where it's just like, okay, we're going, and they're in the whale, and they poof, just fly away. Mm. Credits. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, so, but it was just a great episode, getting to see all that Clone Wars stuff, getting to see um, Hayden Christensen in the general Skywalker garb that he never really mm-hmm. wore in the movies. That's cool. Um, and getting to see him play the role of Master, which we never got to see in the movies. Right. There's just a lot of good stuff in this episode. So. Awesome. Yeah, it's it sounds really good. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this episode. I haven't looked to see what people are saying about it, though. I, I'd be interested because I felt like the last two I was I still enjoyed, but I was further down on and everybody mm-hmm. else was like really high on. And now we're back to kind of the stuff that I love that I was I've watched all this stuff and seen the lead up. I'd love to know, like, did we switch sides again? Am I really high and everybody else is really low? People are but, probably like, fucking space whales. What the there, I saw a few of that already. Like, what's yeah, with the space whales? Like, well, you didn't watch wheels. Rebels, you fucking nerds. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Um, movie news. During Thursday Night Football, WB released a new teaser trailer for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom and the full trailer online at the same time. So Chris got it here. Um, yeah, so we're just going to go through By it. By the way, Thursday Night Football, the Eagles won. Yes, good job, Eagles. <laughs> good, good football performance. Yeah, so no, we start I was, out, I was yeah. watching the game though, and you know, just enjoying. I rarely get to watch these late night games, mm-hmm. so I stay up watched it. And just randomly, like an Aquaman trailer pulls up, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, look at that!" Yeah, you're like, "Oh, that's pretty neat." <laughs> uh, we get the the glimpse of Aquaman has a baby now, uh, and he's hanging out with Boba Fett yep. and his lighthouse, and he says something like, "How did you do it?" Like, so he's raising the baby on his own. We think because we don't Amber Heard is nowhere to see this three minute trailer she's like a split second she's seen like punching some glass so maybe she's been in prison maybe she's committed some war crimes <laughs> I don't know. maybe I she we'll shit see. on Aquaman's bed and always yeah ma- yeah I mean, maybe like... yeah we can find out um I have in... a feeling she dies real quick in this movie yeah she's in aqua jail until she dies um but yeah black manta is the main villain from what we've seen uh he's trying to kill all of Aquaman's family and he has to Aquaman needs help. So he goes to his family. Um, he finds uh, Orm, the ocean master and has to team up. So it's like a, it's like a brotherly companion story, <laughs> which it actually works. I think the trailer was a lot, very surprising. Yeah. I mean, that dynamic works in the comics too. Yeah. Uh, so it's nothing really new, but I'll be interested to see where this movie goes. I I will probably this will probably be one I'll go back to the theaters for just because it's Aquaman and mm-hmm. I have to. You know when you know how it is. One of your favorite characters is big yeah. movie. You got you got to go see it. Yeah, and I like the idea we're dealing with the, the Seven Kingdoms. We're dealing yeah. with different tridents. Um, 
we're dealing with, you know, water magic and shit. So, yeah, I think that's cool. There's a lot of cool stuff here and cool stories to take from. So I, I'm going to I think the secret is, Mike, for me to go in with low expectations. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not getting excited. I think it looks yeah. good, like cinematically. We'll just see whether the, the story really holds up. I do that with every movie now. Just very low. Yeah, that's what I need to do. I just go with the lowest expectations and just be happy. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah. that way you get like one scene. December 20th is the release date, everybody. You get that one scene that's like, wow, that was really cool. And that like makes the movie for you. This right here makes me so happy. Read where it all is, began. New 52, right? Yeah. Well, this is something that DC does way better than Marvel because Marvel doesn't do it. Yeah. Is to say like, listen, these things came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. They came from com Now, let me just, I think personally they're using these three because that's where they're stealing. Like they're taking the story from because right. these are the Jeff Johns Aquaman books, mm-hmm. but at least they're saying reword all began go to a comic shop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It does say that. Yeah. That's funny. Go to a comic shop bookstore or visit dc.com slash Aquaman. Amazon is nowhere to be found in that statement. Yes. <laughs> So I, I kudos to DC. This is awesome. Any yeah. criticism I have, this is like the best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, you got these big movies, whether they're successful or not, doesn't matter in this case. But to say if somebody did enjoy it, like, listen, these came from this. You can find them at these places. Mm-hmm. Your local comic shop being number one, everybody. So go there and check it out and see if this is something you also enjoy. Like, are, do you love these characters that much? I, that that makes me happy above everything else in that trailer. Yeah, and and I love much, that DC's doing as, it. As much as these like people shit on the new Fifty Two, they really pulled a lot for cinematic stuff from the new Fifty Two. Uh, yeah, I still want to do a DC, uh, new Fifty Two retrospective with some people because I know a few people in this space, including both of us, who really got into DC heavily during New Fifty Two. And I think it gets shit on a lot by longtime fans, but they don't understand how it brought in people who were either not interested in, D- in um, DC Comics or were like, like I just read Batman before that. I didn't read yeah, anything else. Right. You had Jeff Lemire writing Animal Man. Everybody, think about that. For the a book second. is so good, dude. New Fifty Two, yeah, New Fifty Two is great. Like everybody had, can uh, shit on it and shit on me for liking it, but it was so good. There's so many had, good things. You had, um, oh my god, Scott Snyder writing Swamp Thing. Yeah. Like what? Dude, I like that OMAC book that they were putting out. It only lasted yeah, like OMAC. eight issues, but that was good. Yeah. Um Animal I like that they had a di- they came out of the swing with a dial H book. That yeah. book was awesome. Yeah, but... I know I didn't read that one, but I know you really liked it. The yeah. uh the action comics Ron yeah. Grant Morrison Grant was really good. And, yeah, they had such a crazy slate of writers. That was yeah, that was sick. Yeah. I I want. I'm forgetting. That's what that. That's where that uh, Earth Two book we love so much comes from. Too. Oh yeah, Earth Two. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So let's yeah. see. That that series really good. There was some yeah, flops so you had Wonder Woman. Continue the Green Lantern stuff, but that was kind of a continuation. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm going through some of the books. Seeing. Yeah. I mean, you had Scott Snyder Batman with Greg Capullo. Dude, that Forever Evil. Oh, yeah. um, event mm-hmm. that was a good event four yep. issues very yep. it's a simple story but and they dude, had all Ivan, the villains all the villain covers where they yeah. were like holographic that was so cool 
Yeah, multiversity happened during that. Yep. Do this one. Yeah, there's a lot of good. And then Mike's favorite Batman Eternal happened. Um, yeah, we don't talk about that book. <laughs> we do not talk about Batman Eternal, folks. The Justice League book was good. It, it's yeah. been better, but it was good. Um, I'm still collecting. I almost have, I have like a couple more issues of that to have the full run. Dude, they did a Men of War book. Do you remember that? Oh yeah! Wow. That's that must have got a little. And All Star Western came back for it. Dude, yeah, New 52 All Star Western. Yeah. They were Everybody just like, Let's give props. New Fifty Two was awesome. Yeah. Yep. All those obscure books that I didn't even look at. I got to go back and read those. Yeah. Um. All right, everybody. We're gonna jump to this interview with Steve Tanner. We're gonna talk some comic books, time bomb comics, and uh, we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody. We got another very special guest for you all. I want everybody to welcome to the show Steve Tanner. Welcome, Steve. Hi there. Um, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, thank you for being here with the you know the time difference and things like that. It can be a little late there. Um, so yeah, I mean, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, and because it's your first time, we have to do the annoying thing of putting you through the the gauntlet, giving us your origin story. So, um, it, it could be brief if you want. Just what you know, what got you into comics and and the whole time bomb comics. Where did that come about? Okay. Okay, well, I mean, I've been into comics since, uh, since like most people who are in, into, who kind of create comics today, since mm-hmm. I was little, and um, I mean, I, I kind of grew up in the in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, uh, and that time in in the UK, um, used to have weekly comics um, at the at the uh, the newsstands. New 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 issues would come out every week, mm-hmm. so um, that's where I first kind of encountered comics, and and I can't remember a time at home where, where there wasn't a comic in the house. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't have those kind of parents who were kind of anti-comics. Uh, mm-hmm. I know some people had that experience. Um, my, 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 both my parents read comics when, when, when they were um, children themselves in, in, in the, in the forties and fifties. Um, so, so they, they were kind of had, had a good kind of vibe about comics. So I always had a kind of comic bought for me. Um, and um, my, my kind of interest really grew from there. I, I just love it. I always just look forward to having the weekly comic. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the first time seeing a, an advert on the TV for a comic, for a war comic called uh, Battle Picture Weekly, which is which is one of the kind of classic um, weekly British comics uh, that people now remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that was, that was the first time I kind of badgered my my parents to to get me a specific comic rather than them buy something for me and just and just give it to me. Um, yeah. And and from there, um, that kind of started it all really. Um, I always then kind of followed Battle. Uh, and then uh, 2000 AD came out in 1977, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I remember buying the first one of those. Um, I, you know, I still read that now. Um, and at the, at the time, there was um, the American uh, comics, which were being reprinted in, in in as black and white weekly comics. So that was kind of my lead in to, um, to to the wider world of comics outside the UK. Uh, and then I discovered that um, the original comics were were full color. Um, so then I, then I started buying the, um, the, 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 the color Marvels and, and DC comics when, when they were available. And so by the time, um, got to the, 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 I guess the mid eighties where suddenly things like dark Knight, um, Watchmen, all that kind of stuff suddenly kind of kicked off and suddenly comics seemed to reach a whole new kind of plateau of, uh, I don't know if it was acceptance, but certainly there was a lot more relatability, a lot more awareness of comics, mm-hmm. um, by that time, you know, I was already 
I was already in the club. I was already kind of um, that's it. You know, the the the, the drug was there, um, <laughs> and, and 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 ever since then, I've been into comics. And and comics really, they're a bit like the mafia because you can never get out once you're into them, no matter how you pretend. Um, <laughs> you're there always. Um, so so that that kind of kind of my journey from way back then. Um, and I'd always been into comics, always gone to conventions, that kind of stuff. Um, I regularly used to go. They used to have one convention a year in in London through mm-hmm. the 80s and, and the early 90s. That was it in the UK, just that one convention. So everyone would just go to, to every September, and it would become like the mecca for if you're into comics in the UK. Um, and that was that was a great experience. Lots of great memories from there, and, and I met people there. And you know, kind of, I still know today. Um, and, and then. At the same time, along with that, I, I had that. I was obviously had that understanding that people were then creating comics themselves. Mm-hmm. So again, through, through through the 80s, that's something I started doing, uh, and I start, you know, and, and nothing nothing grand, just kind of you know, um, small press kind kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always something that was there. Um, and then for one reason or another, I I ended up not not kind of moving away from comics, but I moved away from the UK. I spent some time working abroad, mm-hmm. and. Um, and um, I, I was out of the UK for about 13 years. When I got back to the UK, I saw a, a convention advertised and I thought, wow, I, I mean, years I'd go along. And I went along expecting that to, it to be pretty much how I remembered it back in, mm-hmm. back in the 80s and 90s. Um, so I went there to, to, to that kind of that convention. And um, the thing that I really kind of noticed was different was that in the, in the conventions I'd always been to in the past, there was obviously there was all the kind of the guests and the back issues and the, and the panels that kind of thing, but there always seemed to be a, a you know a handful of guys, usually always with beards, mm-hmm. and they would always be kind of sat there with, with like a black and white kind of comic which they created themselves, yep. um, and they, they were great. I always used to kind of buy a couple of those, but it was always very much it was kind of you could tell it was kind of comics that they produced themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because you could see the passion there. But you know, it, it was definitely a difference between the stuff you see on the news on, on the shelves and the stuff these guys were producing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, when I went went to the, the convention, and it was in two thousand six, the guy these guys were there who were selling their own comics again, but um, there were less beards. I don't know if that's relevant. <laughs> I thought I mentioned it, and um, the the quality of them was just remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, this this these were books that were could, could sit. Uh, you know, next to the Marvels, the DCs, yeah. the Indies, in 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 your local comic store, and um, you couldn't tell them apart. They were they were just brilliant, and I, and I came away from that convention not only with just a big pile of these um, indie produced books, self produced books, but also like a, um, a determination that I would be back at that convention the following year with my own comic behind the table and sitting there, kind of chilling it. Uh, and that's basically what I did. So over the next year, um, I, I kind of worked and developed a comic. And then um, in 2007, I was there with 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 a kind of one shot comic book um, of the brand name Time Bomb Comics. And it it kind of went from there. That was the first time I kind of I kind wow. of did it. And then ever since then, I've been kind of on the on the scene in the UK um, as as a as a as a creator, stroke publisher, however you want what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then, then over the years, then since 2007, Time Bomb has slowly kind of, I guess, evolved, but in, in a nice kind of steady way, um, yeah. rather than trying to kind of run before, you know, you can walk um, to the point where we now produce licensed comics. Uh, we, we, we produce kind of a, 
um, monthly, uh, a bi-monthly comic for 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 the newsstands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we we we've, we've become uh, a, a quite a, a name that's familiar in the in the UK independent uh, comic um, scene. Um, so much so that last year we, we picked up the uh, the Tripwire Award for um, best in the UK comics publisher in the UK. Cool. That's awesome. So 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 it's been it's, it's been a real you know it's been a I hate to use the word journey because that's a horrible <laughs> the way that we use the word journey now. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it very very much has been that kind of progression from this tiny little tiny little small press enterprise to something now which which you know we we, we produce regular books you know we, we have a we have a kind of tip, regular titles teams of creators um, and yeah and and obviously I get to come on 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 uh, podcasts like this which is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. when you're that's awesome. When you're growing up, I mean, so be, being from the States, Mike and I, we have this vision of what British comics war, were or are, and mostly that's Judge Dredd. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you're growing up, like, what were what were the kind of books being made in Britain? I know you were getting some of the reprints for the stuff that was happening over here in Marvel and DC, but um, what else was going on other than Judge Dredd? Okay, well... That's a, that's a great question, and and the thing is to kind of kind of understand that until two thousand AD came along with Judge Dredd and, and the right. you know science fiction in comics was it was it wasn't you know it wasn't a kind of regular science fiction book title that's been produced, um you know you had things like kind of Dan Dare in 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 the Eagle in the nineteen fifties, um but but the way that kind of British comics tended to be they they were always anthology, weekly anthology comics. So, you know, they would come out week by week. So you wouldn't have kind of monthly books. Um, so every week you, you would have a comic and um, it would contain seven, eight or nine different kind of stories, sometimes even more. And th- there were three types of comics that were being, that were being produced. There would be the, the, the comics for boys, which were the kind of like the action adventure war kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Occasionally there would be kind of a, a science fiction story within that, but it's predominantly kind of adventure and, 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 and war. That, those are the kind of the comics. Then you'd have the, the comics for girls. Um, and they were always kind of, they were always named after a girl. So a girl's comic, I mean, whereas the, the, the boys comic would be things like action and valiant and battle right. and tornado. The girls comics would be things like Tammy and Jinty and Sandy <laughs> and Bunty and all those all those yeah. kind of things. But the but the, the the stories in them always used to kind of be all again, most of most of them would be kind of adventure stories, but they would tend to be more kind more kind of grounded. Uh but they would they would be more kind of kind of um uh, young girls in peril kind of stories. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of like you know ballerinas who who who, who had broken legs, that, always that that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art in those were actually fabulous. And at the time, I, I mean, I ignored them because you know the boy the boys comics were for boys and the girls comics were for girls. Right, right. But obviously, I've come to appreciate that some of the some of the the, the strips and, and some of the the art in those girls comics was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're some of the best stuff that was being produced in comics in the UK. And then the third category of comics were the humor titles. Um, and they they were kind of for, for boys and girls. So they would be usually single page kind of uh, stories, which kind of ultimately be a couple of gags together uh, featuring regular characters. Um, so they, they, they'd be characters like, uh, they'd be comics like uh, Whoopi and um, Buster and Crazy, Cheeky, those kind of comics. So mm-hmm. there was those three different types of comics that you, you would have. Um, but it was just the the abundance of them 
uh, which which was really kind of astonishing. Because remember, these are all weekly weekly titles, mm-hmm. and and you know at, at the height of, of the of the how comics were published this way in the UK in in the kind of sixties and seventies, we're, we're looking at kind of 50, 60, 70 different titles coming out every single week without fail. You know, wow. um, so you 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 wouldn't see American comics, and the only times you would see them um, is if you went to the seaside. For some reason, at the seaside, the, the, the kind of the news agents and the gift stores at the at the seaside, at the, where mm-hmm. the beaches are, they would have kind of um, American comics. In Interesting. There. So, so it would almost like when you were on holiday, that's when you would buy kind of American comics. That's the only time, only, only time you would see them. Um, and then from the, from the kind of the the, the late seventies, that's when um, comic shops started appearing in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with, I mean, you know, Forbidden Planet, you you you, you you'll have heard of. Uh, but but you know the uh, other ones which are older. There was one called Dark. They were in a Golden Eyed, which is in, in London. Um, but this was, but they were more kind of almost science fiction bookstores that mm-hmm. then started selling comics, um, imported comics, and it kind of grew from there. Um, so by the time the the eighties had, had arrived, there were then a number of comic stores across the UK. So the people then would kind of almost like you would graduate from the from the weekly the weekly comics to the um the, the, the kind of monthly american titles mm. um and at, at the same time then um some british british publishers started producing uh, monthly comics uh, I, I mean i mean you mentioned 2000 ad uh with judge dread the judge dread magazine was one of the first monthly british comics to be produced in the uk in the in the in the in the 1980s mm. um so 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 that that's what, how how it all, all went but it was it was the it was the news agent would would always be the place where you would get your comics um so and there was just a plethora of, of of titles to choose from awesome yeah that's that's crazy how that developed like that um and i mean now look at what you're talking about with time bomb comics and getting uh receiving the award this year and things like that that's pretty awesome <laughs> of how it's grown uh, yeah it's, it's been great and, and and the thing is as well that you, you can see the um I mean, there's, we, we publish a kind of range of kind of styles right. of titles and, and books. Mm-hmm. The only thing we tend not to publish, we, te- we tend we, we don't do superhero books. Yeah, uh, we, 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 so we cover the, the, the adventure, the science fiction and that kind of thing. So yeah. you, you can kind of see uh, in the books there is that kind of um, that history of, mm-hmm. you know, the comics that we that we grew up with in the UK. It's kind of almost like reflected a bit in, in the tone and style of the books that we produce. Yeah, and going through your books on the shop on your website, um, which we can actually just pull up right now and show everybody. So, not sure why it's not going. Hmm. No, maybe not. But uh, yeah, as I was going through, what I liked about a lot of it is um, your covers still remind me of that British comic boom style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When I think of 2000 AD, and some of those books that came out uh, back then, obviously I wasn't alive, but I've read about these things and I've, I've seen the covers and all that. They just remind me of that. So keeping that kind of that, um, that history alive through your covers is really interesting too. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I mean, and that's, that's the point. And, and so much so we, we've actually been able to use some of the artists that used to work on the British comics in the fifties and sixties and seventies to actually produce our covers. 
So, so some of the covers are produced by those that's artists cool. and would have, would, would have produced those strips and those covers back in the day. So that's probably where that kind of, um, you know, the brawler cover there. I mean, that's by John yeah. Higgins, yep. who you'll be familiar from, from, from Watchmen, the colorist of Watchmen. He's yeah. also an artist in his own right. That's, yeah, the so brawler covers are amazing. Yeah, so 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 it's also that you know it's captured that essence as well. So that's been great to work to you know feature some of these some of these guys um, from from back in the day because they you know they're, they are they are it, certainly in the UK comics um, scene they're, they're 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 giants they really are mm-hmm. um, and um, you know they're, they're every year unfortunately there's less and less of them around because if if you're working on if you're working on a comic in the 1950s the 1960s. Um, yeah, you know, you're 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 going to be in your twilight years now, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, and this one for Spectrum is the one that really piqued my interest. Like, it really looks like a a British comic through and through. Oh, that, that that's that's oh, that's great. The artist for that one is Steve Pugh. Oh, who, uh, yeah. So that that's the artist. That explains that. it then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah, there's that's there's cool. a lot of great titles, um, and. And I noticed something, I mean, you talk, like you talked about it in your submissions on your website, you talk about, yeah, no superhero comics. Um, but you also say that you like when people can submit, it can be any length of comic because you do have the brawler, right? Which is an anthology series, but it's an ongoing anthology series. So uh, you do all types, you do all lengths of comics too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think as well, I mean, um, been able to kind of, submit something which which is kind of relatively kind of short and small mm-hmm. is actually a really good thing to be able to do i mean again this comes i mean we, we, we do a lot of anthology titles again it's harking back to the comics we're, we're familiar with when when we were growing up but mm-hmm. the, the, i think the beauty of an anthology comic um is that you know it has that mix of different stories in there and certainly from a from a creator point of view if if um you know it, it's much more feasible to get um say a particular artist to do six or eight pages for a complete story rather than necessarily getting to do a complete 24 page book or a 80 page graphic novel or whatever and i think from from a from certainly from a um a, a new artist starting out i think to be able to produce something which is which is essentially complete is really important to have mm-hmm. that in your portfolio and have that sense of accomplishment and i think at the same time for for, for anyone who, who's writing comics i mean if you can tell a satisfying story in in three four five six pages which mm-hmm. has a beginning a middle and end and all the other things you need if you can if you can crack that then you can easily tell a story in 24 pages and and a, and a, and a full-length graphic novel i mean mm-hmm. i think i think the anthology format is really is, is, is great to read because you have a you have a, you, you can enjoy a mix of stars and a different mix, mix of stories from a reader perspective but from a creator's perspective it really um encourages you to hone your craft and really kind of nail it down. And I think I think you know I've always been a fan of anthologies. Um, yeah. So you know it's great to produce them ourselves. I always I've always said with like uh, the big two when they do anthologies, mostly DC to be fair, um, to really pay attention to them because it's rare that the it's rare that Tom King does an anthology story. It's usually going to be somebody that's like on the bottom of their roster, mm-hmm. and they're the ones making it. But a lot of times there's that there's that one story or couple stories in there that are really, really great. And that's usually the guy or gal that's going to make it up to be bigger one day. So I always recommend those anthology books because you might discover your new favorite writer there just because if you can do it in so few pages and really intrigue somebody, 
then you know damn well they can do an ongoing book as well. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think as well, for, for as well, there's also appeals to the well, the A-listers. Um, so I mean, because because we, we got a book coming out um, in a couple of months' time, which is a horror anthology called Bombscares, and one of the stories in there is a is a is a six page story by Liam Sharp. You know? Oh yeah, so, nice. so you know we, we we'd never be able to get Liam Sharp to do right. a complete full book, you know, because he, he's awesome. far, too, far too busy and and you know, but. It, it, it's it's that kind of thing as well. So so it, it goes to to both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's right. great for 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 the, for the for the for the new guys, but it's also kind of attractive for the guys that have kind of um, yeah, you know, already established and already. Made I love things. Liam Sharp's art. That's great. It's funny you say that because the one that really intrigued me when I was going through your website and I pulled up again is Bomb Scares, because Mike, look at those covers. Yeah, those are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, you've got like Universal Monsters, you got Dracula and one of them, Frankenstein, both of them, all this, and it just it appeals right to my sensibilities. But it, hearing that Liam Sharp's doing a story in there is even more appealing because that's a guy that we both love. Yeah. So it, and it's it's a beautiful story as well. Well, as you yeah. can imagine, it's it's uh, I said it's six pages and it's just it's just wonderful. It really is. Wow. Do these cool. Do these books make their way over to the states, or are you solely doing them online slash in New Eng- or in, in England? Um, a, a combination, really. I mean, we 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 we've, since um, what we do, we do a lot of kind of stuff as as do as like a pre order opportunity through Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. so since since twenty fifteen, we, we've been doing that with pretty much all of, all of our books. So from that, obviously, we have um, we have backers around the world. Um, and usually of, of the books we we, 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 we publish when, when we do a kind of campaign now, um, more than 50% of the of the support tends to come from outside the UK. And on all, on all of those outside the UK, again, the predominantly is um is the US. Um so there are are out there. Um but also we, I mean, you know, we, we in the in the past we, we've had a couple of times we've gone we've gone through Diamond. Um and in, in the latest kind of previews catalogue, um we've got we're featured in, in, in the catalog there with, with the first two issues of, of, of Spectrum and um, book two of Western Noir. Um, and obviously that's in the catalog now. So um, mm-hmm. any, anyone, you know, in, in the States can, or Canada or anywhere else that uses Diamond can order it from there. And of course, the other thing as well with, with Quantum, we, we've got, um, that's for sale already in uh, in Midtown Comics. Um, and I think I think Chicago Comics as well, which is, is their, the one that they're part of, I think. And, um, you know, Barnes and Noble. We're starting to distribute through Barnes and Noble um, from October. So, um, you know, it it, it is mainly in, directly in the UK. But I mean, we 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 ship our books all over the world. And um, one of one of the challenge challenges is, and I'm sure you refer to it yourself, is 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 the cost sometimes of getting books across, you know, outside right. the UK. Um, and you know, for something something like you know the the, the bombscares books. I mean, the previous bombscares books. I mean, a hundred pages each. You know, they're they're, they're chunky books. Um, so and and they're they're all kind of printed on nice quality paper. So they're they're quite heavy. So so I think that that one one of the kind of logistical challenges for us is being able to reach the kind of the the, the international market without it being prohibitively expensive for the international market to order our books in the first place. But it's something which, which we're continually looking to, to kind of um, to, to develop and push. So um, I said, we're back in, 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 in the previews and we're, we're looking as we go forward now to have a, have a larger presence in previews than we have done over the past few years. That's 
Yeah, that's awesome though. And you said Barnes and Noble too, so they would it must be like on the magazine rack. Uh, they carry yeah. some individual issues, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked anthologies and the books coming out and quantum, uh, uh, should be the fourth book coming out, right? Issue four. Yeah. Oh, it's issue four. Issue three's yeah. out now. Yeah, um, and, and, out and, now. And, and yeah. And because the way the, the, the kind of the, the newsstand distribution works, um, issue three came out in, in the UK on the 19th of August, mm-hmm. but it won't be hitting Barnes and Noble until October. Okay. okay, because it gives it all goes sea freight. Yeah. Um, and then um, Quantum Issue Four will be, will be released in the UK on the seventeenth of October, and then obviously then then uh, in, in early in the new year, then it should hit um, Barnes and Noble. Then, um, so that that will be an ongoing arrangement with um, with Quantum for as long as Barnes and Noble and shouldn't carry it. And that's and that's another anthology series. Is there a specific type of genre? Is it like horror, sci-fi? I mean, the, the thing is with, with Quantum, it, it was designed for the newsstand okay. um, because and and the reason is that certainly in the UK, uh, people don't launch comics into newsstand anymore. They go to right. the comic shops, or they go the or they go the Kickstarter, or they go or another crowdfunding platform or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we we kind of realised that there was a um, a market. Um, who still does buy comics from the news agent? So the idea of Quantum was was to actually to produce something which is aimed for that market. So you know we don't sell we don't sell Quantum um, digital copies of Quantum. Um, we, we, the only issue we sell of Quantum when we go to conventions is the first issue until you know they run out. Um, we, we only offer it for sale through our web store once um, it's gone off sale in the news agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it becomes, it, it, so it's making it, you know, it is mainly, you know, the idea is you go to your news, your news agent and you stand to buy it. Um, and it is an anthology and the idea with, with, with quantum, it, it's all stories under, under the bracket rules that are not our own. So we have kind of, kind of, uh, steampunk in there. So mm-hmm. science fiction, steampunk, we have kind of Western horror, we have alternative kind of earths. Uh, you know, so we have those kind of kind of stories that's in there. Um, and it, it's something which, you know, we're hoping is appealing to that kind of crowd who buys their comics from news agents uh, and newsstands, but also um, to incentivize the guys who, who are already familiar with our titles to actually take the trip to the newsstand yeah. and, and actually and actually buy it from the newsstand. And support their newsstand at the same time, because you know, you know, the, the, as we both know, the newsstands used to be such a core part of mm-hmm. what comics comics were all about, mm-hmm. um, and 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 you know that that kind of changed. But I always remember a th- the, the thrill of, of of going to the to the newsstand and seeing all the new comics you you could get, yeah. um, and and you tend not to have that anymore. So Quantum is trying to recapture that, um, but doing it in a way that it, it's kind of you know producing a quality book so i mean that the format and the, and the style is is very similar to to a lot of our books that we produce so you know all, all everything we do is perfect bound so you know it, it's this really nice perfect bound book um 56 pages nice thick cardstock cover really good quality you know quality paper inside and hopefully mm-hmm. the stories will, will you know people res- like the stories as well um and making that kind of step to, from the kind of the traditional markets we've been really involved with, you know, the comic shops, the conventions and so on to newsstand. That's been, that's been a massive kind of shift. 
Um, and that's been the biggest kind of learning experience of it, the, 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 the way that, that it works for the, for the newsstand. Um, the whole distribution model um, is completely different. Mm. And, and that's, that's been, been the biggest learning curve. But, I mean, the first issue came out in, uh, in April this year in the UK. Um, and so far, the, the, the reader response has, has, has been good, which is terrific. So people kind of like the stories. And, and again, because it's an anthology, some people like one story, some people like another story. Mm-hmm. But there there's, doesn't seem to be any, any, any story in there that everyone agrees is like the run to the litter. There's mm-hmm. something which, which everyone everyone likes. So um, so so far it, it's kind of working, but it is you know. So but the quantum book that's running alongside the other titles we produce. So the, in, in the amount of work that we've suddenly had to kind of do and how to how we've had to adapt to to that, and especially with things like the scheduling, um, that that's been that's been really something else mm-hmm. um but um yeah i mean but it's a nice that it's, it's it's into the international markets as well so i mean quantum's already on sale in in kind of uh, in sweden finland holland uh, germany uh malta australia cool. um canada and obviously now i'll be hitting um the united states um wow. in october so we're kind of pleased so far with how it's going that's great that's awesome yeah that's really awesome uh, and yeah, coming to Barnes and Noble is pretty accessible for almost everybody in the U.S. I would say. Um, yeah, that's 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 really cool news. And uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to to heading over there because I didn't know that Barnes and Noble carried stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously they carry the graphic novels, but I I love to stop in there now and grab that issue when it comes out in October for the U.S. at least. Yeah. Well, well, I hope you like it. Yeah. Please, please let us know. Oh yeah, for sure. So you you mentioned real quick somewhere in there that you were also doing some books on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Could you talk what books are you doing there, and how often you've been doing Kickstarters for them? Um, started using Kickstarter in uh, 2015, mm-hmm. um, and 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 since since then, every 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 book that we've released, we, we've actually made it available uh, on Kickstarter first. But we all, we've always been very transparent that we never use Kickstarter as a as a kind of a, um, a funding model. We use it as a pre-order model. So every every book that we we we, we know is we're going to be publishing it anyway. Um, but it, but what we found that we kind of like about the Kickstarters uh, is that um, the platform allows us to offer extras for people who kind of put their money down in 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 advance. Mm. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a really kind of key thing about how the, the, the crowdfunding uh, platform works when it comes to comics. So, for example, you know, and you, you, can, get, you can get the digital edition um, you, of all the books. Um, you can also then, any, any of the, uh, the printed copies, they come with, with the, the digital book as well. And, of course, then you have, you're able to kind of add in extras. So um, the, the most recent um, book we had on, um, on Kickstarter was the the second Spectrum book, um, which is which is the licensed uh, anthology series we do uh, with the with the uh, the Jerry Anderson uh, Entertainment. Um, so it features new new comic stories uh, of Captain Scarlet, Terror Hawks, and Space Precinct. Um, and, and through 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 using that with Kickstarter, we're able to kind of um, um, give people who who kind of buy the comic. Through, through that platform, um, kind of limited kind of prints of Captain Scarlet and the other kind of characters. Um, and and just just so they, they get something more for, for, for their buck. 
Um, so that's how, how, how we use Kickstarter. Mm. Um, so we find that's a really effective platform to use. And, and because um, the, 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 the books are released within um, two, two to three months maximum of when the Kickstarter closes, so it's kind of almost like the same window as if you were to kind of see a new new title in previews. You tell your comic store you'd like it, and then two to three months later, then it turns up. Um, so it's using that kind of same kind of time scale, but mm-hmm. being able to offer extras for the people who kind of um, want the advanced copies as well. That's I think that's a great idea to use it that way. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of I was zooming through some of them real quick to see, and you've been really successful on Kickstarter as well, like blowing past your goals for every single one I've pulled up so far. Uh, yeah, well, we've done twenty four Kickstarters, and all twenty four of them been successful. Um, so, um, but I mean, I think part of it is that we 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 don't ask for ridiculous amounts. Um, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a great kind of supporter of the platform myself, so I I, I get a lot of books through Kickstarter. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a great platform to support um, other kind of creators and other publishers uh, and just find some really cool stuff. Um, and and I, I think one of, one of the kind of the nice things about it is that if you're running a Kickstarter, I think if, if, if you're offering something and it seems like a really decent kind of, it's fairly priced and it, 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 it looks quality and um, you're getting something else with it, then I think it's, it's a real great incentive. Um, and I think that's that's where where the where the beauty of the Kickstarter comes in, and because you know we, we're always going to publish the book no matter what, you know we, we're not asking for tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 we basically we ask for for a, a relatively small amount, um, so we can hit that, uh, and then we can start uh, opening up stretch goals and adding in stretch goals. Um, so so the, the packages that people can get. Um, uh, nine times out of ten, uh, you know, the, the value of what they receive far exceeds what they actually pledged uh, for that book in the first place. Um, so, you know, what, I, I always kind of think with with Kickstarters and, and and the other crowdfunders that the, the backers themselves is almost like it's work like you know the angels who support theatre, um, and and with, with the angels who support the theatre, you know, if you if you support a theatre production as an angel, then when 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 they um, play or, or performance is finally being unleashed to the public um usually the angel gets something extra they'll they'll get you know best, the best seating they'll they'll right. get, they get something else they'll get mm-hmm. something that makes it worth while. so it's kind of treating the backers almost the equivalent of the of the theater angels making sure that they get something more um and and and, and that's a key part of the of the of our kickstarter strategy and that seems to work um because it, it's you know because there's nothing worse than, than feeling you know ripped off if you you that they, you know, supported somebody, some Kickstarter and it's never appeared, um, or what what turns right. up is very very different from what you were sold in yeah. the first place. Right, you know? right. You know? mm-hmm. um, so it, it's just it's just about rewarding backers because every every every, every backer, um, you know, if they back once, hopefully they'll they'll back again. Um, right, and it, and it builds up that kind of that kind of readership and that kind of following. Um, so so that's been. You know, I, I, I think if you do it properly, you can do it really well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, but I think it's about thinking about how you're going to do it um, and making sure that um, your, your your project comes across as as a, as a you know a worthwhile investment. Mm. Very yeah, cool. 
Yeah, um, I, I like the business model. Uh, I really like the projects you're putting out, and uh, I can't I can't wait to see what the future brings, Steve. So, um, if we want to, if we want our listeners or our viewers to kind of follow everything you're doing, would we just direct them to the website, or do you have social media presence with the publishing or? Uh, we we have both. We so we we got the the timebombcomics.com is the website, um, but also we're on we're on um, um, Facebook, we're yeah. on um, X as it's now called. <laughs> we're on <laughs> we're yeah. on I think we're on Instagram. I think we're on we're on Blue Sky yeah. as well. Um, so and um, you know and, and there, there's there's multiple ways to get in touch with us. Great. Awesome. And uh, to everybody out there, I'll have a link to Time Bomb's website in the show notes down below so you can click and check out some of the cool books we're talking about today and uh, maybe even buy a few if you're feeling frisky. Uh, ten, or, uh, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time today and uh, stopping by. It was a blast having you. And uh, we look forward to seeing how all these books turn out in the future, man. Thanks, guys. It's been great chatting. Thank, thank you. you. And we're back. We're back. Time Bomb Comics out of Birmingham. You got Quantum number three coming out uh, October 19th. So check out their website, pre-order the book, do all that fun stuff. Yeah, book looks cool. It's got a werewolf on the cover. Yeah. What What else do you want? Yeah. Uh, comic book news. Marvel has been teasing the death of the Moon Knight for months now. Oh, and with issue 30... This winter, it looks like it's finally happening. In January, we'll be getting a new Moon Knight series with a new number one titled Vengeance of the Moon Knight. This new series will be written by Jed McKay and the art by Alessandro Capuccio, the same team working currently on the series. It's said to be a continuation of what they've been working on. And we'll see of the uh, the rise of the new Fist of Khonshu. So they just want to sell more Moon Knight is what they're telling me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I had, I had a long conversation with somebody about how they were mad that he was dying and i won't name names but david um, finch cover though holy shit sorry everybody he pulled up the cover i was like that's not a alessandro cover it's no. a david finch cover who was doing uh batman the dark knight new, new 52 series which is really good anyways <laughs> yes. sorry uh yeah I was, I was having a conversation because moon knight's like one of the most notorious um uh jewish characters in comics mm-hmm. and i was just like yeah but you can't treat him special like right it's actually a sign of respect that he gets to die right and it's weird to say but like we all know mark specter's coming back like he's yeah. not dead forever this is comics everybody yeah and and that's how i feel like he's it's reached the point where marvel made a big deal about moon knight dying like yeah right <laughs> dude 20 years ago they could have killed moon knight off and everybody would be like whatever nobody cares the three people reading the book would have been like oh come on man yeah it would have been like me and like two guys on the internet yeah and <laughs> but it's interesting i i think i'm behind on the moon knight book i think i'm still i still have issue 25 to read which is like one of those giant oversized things mm-hmm. but I know they've been leading up to this and it's good to see that uh, Jed and Alessandro are continuing the book. Cause I think they've done a great job with it so far and it'll be interesting to see who takes over the mantle. I mean, there's a few that could inside the, the midnight mission moon Knight's little like crew that he's been gathering for these 30 issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
what's even more interesting about it is that most of those people in that crew are vampires. So I have a very strong feeling that it's one of those vampires. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I I wish Dave, David Finch was doing all the art because I love the way he draws superheroes super jacked. Yeah. Dude, this is uh, a great cover. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, Finch is great. He's still doing that book with Scott Snyder, um, Noctera. Mm-hmm. that i'm enjoying it's it's good i do wish you would go back to superhero stuff but yeah but yeah and i i think alessandro's art in this has been really good it's got almost a it's got a very action anime ish style mm-hmm. manga style to it mm-hmm. so I, i'm happy That's to cool. see him continuing it star wars visions is returning to comics with a new one shot featuring ronin from the cartoon anthology this issue will be written and drawn as was the last issue by Afro Samurai creator Takashi Okazaki. Very cool. That's an awesome cover. Yeah, if if anyone out there watched Star Wars Visions, I personally thought it was not that great, but yeah. um, I continue. It came out of the second season. I haven't watched the second season yet, but this was the one strong point of it was this like feudal Japan version of Star Wars mm-hmm. with the Ronin. And uh, we had an issue, I'm sure I talked about it in the show when it came out last year, that was really good. And it's it's cool to see him come back. I think it's a cool alternate reality for Star Wars. And uh, obviously the fans have taken up on it because they keep bringing it back. So, Yeah, and that's an awesome cover with the samurai on it. Yeah, I, I really recommend it to anybody that likes like samurai stuff. Uh, even if you're not a big Star Wars fan, it just... It's a samurai. I mean, Star Wars is already heavily based on samurai stuff. Yeah. But this is like straight up Japanese samurai anime. Just they added lightsabers in. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. I mean, that's all. I mean, that that would get me more into it. So maybe I should check this out. Yeah. And if, if you want to check it out for quote unquote free. Cause I'm sure I know you have Disney plus mm-hmm. out there. If you have Disney plus it's like a 10, 15 minute um, short. It's not a super long thing. You got to get into. Oh, okay. So you can watch that. And if that piques your interest, there's comics now. So cool. Yeah. Um, Charles soul announced his next comic image comics with artist, Alberto Jimenez, Albuquerque called the blood dozen six issue series said to be about a group. Of astronauts are tasked with the heist to get a group of vampires out of a prison that orbits the sun. Interesting. The art looks really cool. It sounds like an interesting premise. Um, I guess we'll see. When I read this, so first I love Charles Soule, and I yeah. love this like because yeah. this is part of his um, universe he's creating. Yeah, of, like, that little thing there. Yeah, it's like horror-ish mm-hmm. kind of side things. And I forget what the other book's called, but I'm really enjoying that, even though I'm like two issues behind. But the first thing I thought is like, how did no one think of this before? Like, I've never heard yeah. of a, a vampire prison ordering the sun. So that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, where else would you put them, right? Yeah, it's like the perfect place to put them, because what yeah. are they going to do? Yeah. Uh, Check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be picking this one up. This sounds like a lot of fun. And of course, you know, vampires, a uh, writer I really like, It's it's definitely a home run for me. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, this week, Bill Willingham took to Twitter to make 
and made big waves by publicizing his beef with DC Comics. Very little was released about his actual issue between, uh, between Willingham and DC, but he did go on to claim he's placing his comic series Fables in public domain. For those that don't know, public domain characters are free to use by people that create new content using them. Cthulhu is in public domain, and this is why you see multiple comic creators on Kickstarter using this character. Uh, Wizard of Oz is in public domain. Um, that is pretty crazy that he just... Uh, he... So, okay, he has made this proclamation. DC disagrees that he has the ability to do so, even sending out a press release to claim the opposite. Here's their press release. The Fables comic book and graphic novels published by DC and the storylines, characters, and elements therein are owned by DC and protected under the copyright laws of U.S. and throughout the world in accordance with applicable law and are not in the public domain. The statement reads, DC reserves all rights and will take such action as DC deems necessary or appropriate to protect its intellectual property rights. Notice how they never said vertigo in that sentence at all, Chris. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a very tough situation because nobody really knows. I, I mean, I know somebody personally who has a lawyer looking into it, so yeah. maybe we'll get some clarification from a lawyer's perspective in the near future. Yeah. But... To me, it's it's so funny to me because there's been two sides to this. And we're going to get a tiny bit political here because I have to. But Bill did this because some sort of beef with DC. Like DC right. did. And there's two sides to every story and we haven't gotten DC's side. So I'm just going to take what we have and go with it. But from Bill's perspective, or yeah, from Bill's perspective, DC has done something wrong and fucked him. Yeah. And so for he, him to release his characters like that, oof. Yeah, so he said, like, flat out, like, fuck you, this, I'm just going to take it, because under what he thinks is that he owns them, and nobody else should be able to... Uh, you or no, DC shouldn't have exclusive rights to it because it's his creation, it's his right. world, and he has creator-owned rights over it. There's some side things there that there might be... Um, language there there is language in contracts like this that say like they can't um dc is able to use it for like to make movies or tv or whatever they want to do with it yeah but he still owns the underlying property it's I'm also sure there, oh go ahead yeah, i'm sure it almost i mean we're gonna speculate but it's almost like they were probably probably working on a project without his knowing and or he was getting shafted on like royalties so he was probably like whatever then let everybody work on it then you know like nobody will get money for it yeah there's also something there where like the book is behind mm -hmm. and of course when the book gets behind everybody blames the creator so right him and the artist get blamed right away yeah and he has he took issue with that and i'm sure that has something to do with it too there's also yep. i don't even know if it ever finished but there was that bigsby batman crossover Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened with that, if that finished or not, because I wasn't following it to be honest. So there's there's things that could be happening there. Mm -hmm. Um but so yeah, as I say, now it came out and everybody was like on Bill's side as they should be, because you should be on the creator side, you shouldn't be on the giant corporation side, in my opinion. Right. And then immediately things turned and people started like taking DC's side. Mm -hmm. And like shitting on Bill. Do you want to guess why, Mike? 
Why is that? Because Bill is a known Republican. <laughs> hmm. So I just want to say that real quick to be like, that shit doesn't matter, everybody. Like, this is about right. creator rights. Yeah. This yeah, is about the creator trying to do what's right for them. Political political views aside, like, yeah, you shouldn't want to slight somebody just for their political views. But yeah, and he might have some shitty views. I don't know. I didn't look that far into him. But like, yeah. I saw some of the stuff that was like being pushed out there. And I'm like, it, it seems like basic bitch republicanism to me. But... <laughs> That that just shouldn't matter. It it's I, everybody needs to go and be like, no, like this is all about saying fuck you to the big corporation. And you know, to be fair, the big corporation that you and I both read a lot of their stuff and enjoy their work. So I'm not shitting on DC to shit on DC. I'm just right. if it was Marvel, I would hope that I would have the same opinion. I think I yeah, would. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the lawyers are going to take everything to account and not not anybody's politics, right? So yeah, it's so it's just we'll a see. it's yeah. an online thing. Yeah, I mean, so like get points. People are always going to be that way. I'm trying to find because uh, our our boy Tom Payer mm-hmm. was actually the uh, editor at the time Fables was created. Oh, interesting! Because um, he was working at DC at the time. Well, he's at Vertigo. Vertigo, yeah, because yes. he was working on uh, Doom Patrol as well. Yeah, and um, I should have pulled this up ahead of time because I didn't think about it, but. Anyways, I remember Tom said something about like people coming out and like making definitive statements as they do on the internet a lot. Yeah. That right. don't know. And he flat out said like these contracts are more complicated than you know, than you think. He goes, I was there for it, and there's just things that aren't being said. And then he yeah. came out later to say kind of what I said earlier, that there's basically there's two sides to every story, and we've right. only gotten one so far. Yeah. So Tom knows something that we don't. <laughs> and right. I have a feeling it's that this isn't a thing that can be done because I'm sure DC's lawyers are much better than people want to admit. Yeah, there is. I'm sure they've have things in place to never, to never yeah. lose properties or lose money. Yeah. Whatsoever. That being said, uh, it's important to remember that fables is also a creation made off of public domain characters. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> So the public domain creations are now public domain. That, that that's what I was going to bring up is like you have like fairy tale characters that have been in public domain. So yeah, now it's it's kind of the idea of like we can do things with Winnie the Pooh now, right? But we can't do, and I may have this wrong, but you can't do Winnie the Pooh with the the red shirt or something like that because that's the right. one Disney owns. Yep. Yeah. Um. So there's things like that where like he took these characters, twisted them, and did things to them, and that's the copyright um and another thing to remember a part of the reason so because dc doesn't make these statements they never do stuff like this yeah and it's important that they're doing that because when you go to public domain that basically means mike that like you or i could just print copies of fables if we want yes yeah, i mean of, of a public domain thing, right let's just say and just start selling them mm-hmm. and there's no they're public domain anybody can do it that's why you right. see like these weird versions of old Wizard books of and novels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And why you can't just find, like, I remember I was going to find, uh, what's the monkey King book. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Journey, Jer- to, the Journey to the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was looking for a copy of that and it's really tough. Cause not only is that a Japanese novel or Chinese novel, um, that was written in Chinese and then translated, 
but it's also public domain. So there's multiple translations, multiple mm-hmm. versions, mm-hmm. hundreds of different people uh, printing it. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, um, I guess it's. we'll see how this plays out. Um, my thoughts are you never want to pick a fight with the corporations, but. My thoughts are somebody's got to pick a fight with the corporation. Yeah. And I think Bill Willingham, of all people, he's in his late 60s. Um, I would like to hope he's made his money. Who knows in this industry? Maybe he hasn't. <laughs> um, exactly. But if he has, and he has like legs to stand on without having to work with DC again, maybe he's the guy to, find, to say... I mean, he's not the first, but he's right. the guy to say now, like, no, this is fucking bullshit, and we need to fix this. This isn't right, um, and this is what we got to do. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation for next couple months on and off um mm-hmm. yeah yeah we'll wait and see what happens interesting developments either way um well, let's talk about what we read this week i read one book chris uh it was a kickstarter book oh and instead of lord of the rings it's a spoof i don't know if you back this one it's called lords on the piss no it sounds it's actually, familiar though it's hilarious so like it's, you know, it's a fantasy novel, but instead of uh, the ring, you know, there's a ring involved, but this ring, when you put it on, it's cursed to give you, uh, like, unending sobriety. <laughs> so it's like all the adventurers are getting trashed in the bar, and then he puts the ring on, and then he can't get drunk, so he needs to, like, go on a quest to get the ring removed from him. Um, and then, obviously, the wizard that's going to help them is working in a strip club, so... <laughs> They go to the strip club to find a wizard to help them. That's kind of like how the adventure starts. And it's, you know, it's, it's only the first issue, but it was, it was hilarious. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of characters that are pretty much the same as Lord of the Rings. characters. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So it's a Lord of the Rings spoof basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where they can't, where he needs to get the ring off because he wants to get drunk. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And Pippin is in it. And like Pip, like they call him Pip. But he's like this little gnome and he's always hammered and he calls people bitch all the time. <laughs> he's like, what's up, bitch? It's just really funny. Uh, yeah. That's great. And and then there's like this scene where I think it's Pippin or somebody shows up. One of the one of like the Hobbit characters, they come in and he's like completely like lost his mind. And they're like, what happened? They're like, oh, like the stoners came to town. And there's like this group of like mushroom wearing people that like do a bunch of like smoke a shit ton of weed. And like, if you smoke with them, you like lose your mind and they like show up in the town. It's like hilarious. It's a lot of fun. That sounds great. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I had this week. All right. I got quite a bit. So I got a few from last week. I also have a Kickstarter book. I got falling stars. Nice. Um, this is from Marcus Jimenez and Frank white. Uh, Frank White, who I'm a big fan of on Kickstarter. Um, basically, it's a it's a space kind of space opera ish kind of thing, mm-hmm. where we've got this group of uh, elite soldiers, and a princess has been kidnapped. So they're tasked with coming to find her, um, only to find out that she doesn't want to be saved, Mike. Oh, okay. And uh, she also has some weird power that nobody knew about. So. It was an interesting start to a story. I thought they didn't do enough in the first issue. They should have expanded it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not the greatest first issue, but I like the art. It's all in black and white too, which was 
I like a good black and white book every so often. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this book would have been better suited with color, but okay. I understand where the, the creative decisions come from. But uh, I will probably, if they do an issue two, I'll probably check it out. Um, but yeah, cool. Good stuff. And stuff from last week, I had um, Shazam number three. That was really good. Uh, basically, it was interesting because I can't remember if you talked about this book or not. I think so. Yeah. But uh, it's really interesting that like the different gods that give Shazam's powers to him mm-hmm. come together and basically admit that they've been puppeteering Shazam for a while. Mm-hmm. And now Atlas is pissed because it was his turn to kind of take over and Billy's decided like he's done. Yeah. So he has to force his hand. So a really good issue. Uh, last week's issue of the unbelievable, unfortunate, mostly unreadable and nearly unpublishable Untold Tales of Fairyland came out. Nice. And it's not a really good issue. If you like, I hate Fairyland. I won't bore too much because it's like a bunch of little micro stories inside that world. That's um, cool. But this week, I Hate Fairyland number nine came out. Nice. <laughs> so this is uh, the dragon from the first volume. Oh, okay. There's this little kid who dressed up as a dragon. That's and funny. in this like future, he's now still in Fairyland because nobody told him he had a key to get out. Oh, wow. So now he's older and like miserable, but still pretending to be a dragon. That's funny. And somehow gained the power to breathe fire as well. And Gert tells him, like, oh, yeah, by the way you had a key, we should go find it. <laughs> and he's all pissed because when he came to Fairyland, Gert just took him and like said, come with me. And mm-hmm. nobody ever told him he had a way out. So now he's all pissed about that. And uh, they quickly get over it, move on and say, okay, well, I need you to help me find the key. And uh, the entire time he was working with this witch who was using him basically as a bodyguard. And he tells her to basically to fuck off and burns her to a crisp. And then a bu- they have to fight a bunch of witches. Oh. So I, re- I really like I Hate Fairyland. It's a fun, weird book. Yeah, it is. Uh, and definitely recommend it. Start with the first volume. Make your way down to here. But it's good stuff. And then let's see. We're going to get to those two last because there's a lot to say. Batman Inc. number 12 came out. This is, I think this is the end of Batman Incorporated. Okay. Uh, so they solved the whole Joker Incorporated thing in this. But the big thing here is the team goes through a drastic change because Ghostmaker at the end of this tells the team like hey I promised Batman that I would do it his way and mm-hmm. his way is stupid <laughs> so I'm outie and he leaves the the base with the rest of the team says this is no longer used to me you all know where it is so mm-hmm. you can have it it's just my only uh stipulation is that nobody comes after me everybody just leaves me alone and then like a few members leave a bunch stay and we got a new batman inc team um but it says at the end the end for now i think was that way they put it Mm, okay so my feeling is that the book is over maybe we'll get a relaunch at some point Mm. i'll say all in all 12 issues i enjoyed batman incorporated it was not the best okay but it was an enjoyable book and i like the idea of the joker inc i just wish they did more with it uh it was just a six issue kind of thing and it was one stunt 
instead of like it being it would have been cooler as a way to build out the different batmen and give them their own joker Mm -hmm. uh, which it kind of did but it also killed a lot of them real quick so (laughs) avengers inc number one came out oh yeah i did see that came out uh this is a me ass book is it so it's al ewing and uh something kirk leonard kirk doing the art and it's the wasp going to the raft which is that the maximum security prison for mm-hmm. marvel and finding that a bunch of super villains had been killed they've been shot in the head and nobody knows why so okay. this book quickly turns into a detective book <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and it's all about like how did they get you know how did someone break into the raft and how did somebody kill them and then right in the middle of it they as they're trying to figure out because the the wound in the forehead isn't a bullet wound so they're trying to figure out what it is all the villains wake up and are alive again but they still have this wound in their forehead so now it's a matter of like what the fuck happened mm. <laughs> something mystical is going on and one of them who is a uh, supposed to be whirlwind wakes up with red eyes and the hole is glowing red kind of like vision okay yep although they don't openly say it in this uh i get the feeling that's what they're going for and they end up meeting with luke cage and talking and they decide like they're going to be the avengers underneath the avengers team and they're Mm -hmm. going to investigate these weird occurrences and everything so it's a superhero detective book which is right up my alley, obviously. Yeah. And then there's an epilogue that somehow um, Black Ant and an old version of uh, Hank Pym are working on something together. So there's some sort of like thing in the background happening as well. So if you like uh, detective stuff and you're a superhero fan, it's written by Al Ewing, who's a great writer. I really, really like this first issue and would highly recommend it to people that have that same kind of proclivity for stuff. Um, it's definitely not going to be for everybody though. I'll say that. Yeah. It sounds a lot like um, danger. Uh, I can't remember danger. Something though. The DC book by Tom King where it's a uh, danger room. Uh, I don't know if it's danger room. Oh no. Human target. Is it human target? There's one where it's like, he's investigating like, murders. yeah, that's human target, human target. Yeah. That one. That's one I want to check out because yeah, it's even not a Tom read... King guy. Yeah. It just, it hits all the right buttons because it's like also JLI adjacent. Right. You'd like that one because it's like, yeah, Booster Gold and stuff. I really liked it. So, well, I read the first volume. The second volume is ongoing right now. So, yeah. Uh, oh, that being said, in all the DC books this week, mm-hmm. which I only bought two. So maybe it's just those two, but there's a preview for Tom King's Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. And uh, I will not be reading Tom King's Wonder Woman. Yeah, it comes out next week or <laughs> yeah. this week. I have too much, and it just doesn't pique my interest. And I just know my way with Tom King. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple more, Mike. Daredevil number one came out. New creative team. New move forward with Daredevil. So, if you remember at the end of last Daredevil, Daredevil dies, and then is mm-hmm. immediately resurrected. Yep. And now he's just Matt Murdock, and he's become a priest as part of the Catholic Church. Okay. And is taking care of these orphans in like a, a church orphanage. And in the background, Electra's doing her thing, and she's actually like secretly funding the orphanage because she wants to keep Matt happy, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to like reintroduce herself because he doesn't remember being Daredevil or anything. Like that part of his life has been wiped away. 
Um, and that quickly disappears uh, when he runs into Daredevil. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And starts remembering like who he is and why he can fight and all this stuff. And where his he has the power the whole time, but he's not really sure what it is. Mm-hmm. And he quickly is just like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm Daredevil. And we got this demon who comes and tries to take over Electra and ends up taking over, uh, taking her over to attack Murdoch. And he has to like exercise her, the demon from her, which was a really cool scene oh, okay. of him like doing an exorcism and everything. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And uh, by the end of the first issue, we get Matt back in a Daredevil suit. So really great reintroduction. It's it's Daredevil, man, through and through. Mm-hmm. I think if you're enjoying the, if you enjoy Daredevil, it's Daredevil, and uh, I like that they're they continue to dive deeper into the religious aspect behind Daredevil because I think that's what makes him interesting, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, um, and I'm really excited for Solomon Ahmed to continue the book. That's a guy I've enjoyed in the past, and I'm glad he got the chance. Cool. Batman, Gargoyle of Gotham. Yeah, I thought about checking that out. I was going to wait to see what you said. It's good. Uh, I think you're going to have an issue with the art. Okay. Uh, it's not quite... Uh, who's that guy you hate? Um, Jai Yeah, it's not quite Jai Okay. But the faces are very Jai Oh, no. Uh, I think it's I think it's way better than Jai personally. And I, okay. I do like Jai Uh But we got... So we're in, it's Batman kind of early in his career. We're within the first couple of years mm-hmm. and we're introduced to this new villain, at least new to me, who's drawn to be black and white. And he's like obsessed with these cartoons, these old black and white cartoons. Uh-huh. So all of his crimes are based on that cartoon series. Interesting. And I forget what the cartoon's called, but it has like a crying baby in it. So like every time you see him, he's crying. Oh, uh-huh. Weird. It's a weird choice, but it, it kind of works. And what I liked about this is that throughout it, there's these murders happening. They're connected to this villain. So there's a lot of Detective Batman stuff. Okay. And uh, and then throughout it, we learn that he has this plan to basically kill Bruce Wayne to the that Batman does to mm-hmm. get rid of that persona. And that was kind of the whole premise of the book was like, there's no more Bruce Wayne. He's Batman full time. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the issue, we kind of get a glimpse that he might be doing that in the next few issues. I think it's good. Uh, is it the best Batman ever read? No. <laughs> um, I, I'll i continue it, but I don't know if I would recommend it. Personally. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then uh, to continue. So it's funny because the regular Batman book I'm not reading right now because of the crossover. And I think right. you're in the same boat, right? Yeah. I, well, I'll probably pick up the main Batman book. But other than that, I'm not reading the crossover. Event. I'm literally picking it up just so I have the issues in my long box. That's it. Yeah. Like, I'm not reading Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I read that one issue and I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. want to do this. Uh, but in that absence, I've like gained like eight other Batman book. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is Batman and Robin number one. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, Joshua Williamson. Yep. Uh, this obviously takes place at the same time what's going on in the regular Batman book because it's mentioned that like mm-hmm. that's happening. But it's funny because like Bruce and Damien get like a townhouse okay. in Gotham. Mm-hmm. And like that's their new home and that's they're going to live together. <laughs> and uh, 
but they have it set up so like it's very secure and then all the batman stuff is there so they can still access everything uh-huh and they discuss how like robin's gonna go to high school in this and sh- like it gets very <laughs> like bad father yeah. or son thing and uh we they get to fight uh killer orca in this and oh killer that's or, cool. yeah killer croc yeah a few other like kind of b-list villains which was fun once again it was a good start it's not the greatest but i'll give josh williamson a few issues before i yeah. drop him yeah. i thought the goofiest part of the whole thing was that robin now has his own robin yeah reveal. oh boy yeah oh wow but the art's really cool uh if you check out the art i think you'll really like it it's very like it's it's a little jarring in some of the like the slower moments where they're just sitting around talking at a table. Uh-huh. But when the action sequences hit, man, like the artist kills it. It's awesome. very fast paced art, very like cool. involved. Cool. So yeah. It's a lot of Batman this week. Oh yeah. More more <laughs> of you than me. That's weird. <laughs> and there's dude, there's like there's another black label Batman book coming out and I just ordered the new Jason Aaron Batman book. So like there's yeah. a lot of Batman in my near future. Bat- there's a lot of Batman coming up, which is good. Yep. Comics are good when there's good Batman out there. Oh yeah. But Mike, that's everything I read this week. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter and or X. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris. on pretty much everything, including Twitter slash X, whatever we're calling it these days. Yep. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, the five-star views. Like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube versions of the show. And uh, Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics for the extra support. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. 